So what I want to talk to you about today is a woman named Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, not Mary Magdalene, or all the other Marys that are in the New Testament. Now, I think it must have been a very popular name, because there's all these Marys all over the Bible, but I want to talk to you about Mary, a disciple of Jesus, who was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And it appears from the Gospels that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were friends, very close friends of Jesus. And there's something very special about Mary. Every time we see Mary in the Gospels, or at least almost every time, it's a significant amount, we find her one place at the feet of Jesus. Mary understood something about Jesus that many other disciples did not. She's very, very unique. And she is a model among many other, uh, of the disciples in the New Testament. She is a model of a follower or a disciple of Jesus. We look at Mary, and we're going to look at a couple uh, stories today. We look at Mary, and we can see that we can imitate Mary as she was following Jesus. We see that she... She got something that the, uh, many other disciples didn't or uh, something that we need. She understood her need for Jesus. She understood her access to Jesus. She understood how valuable and worthy Jesus was and is. And so there's something so special about, about Mary, and I want to look at this. How she oriented her life around Jesus. And, and I think it's not an accident that almost every time we see Mary in the Gospels. She's at the feet of Jesus. And like I said, there are many other disciples that are examples to us uh, and many other Marys in the, in the New Testament that are examples to us. But this Mary, there's something very special about her. So in Luke chapter 10, we'll just start right there and, and see her at the feet of Jesus. <clears throat> Come on now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hold on a second. The, uh, sometimes pay, turning pages is easier than, than typing buttons. All right, here we go. It was just causing, it did something weird. All right, Luke chapter 10, and it's starting in verse uh, 38. It's a story about a time when Jesus and his disciples went to Martha and Lazarus and Mary's house, maybe for dinner or for lunch or something. And it says, now it happened as they went, referring to Jesus and disciples, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She was probably the elder. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And so we see that Mary was orienting her life around Jesus. Jesus came over to her home. Uh, It was common in that day to host someone, like we've talked about, by serving them food and taking care of them. And so Martha was doing what, culturally speaking, she was supposed to do. And Mary 
probably should have been helping her. And yet we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what does it say she was doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing or listening to his word. He, Jesus came in and he sat down and he was, and he was, uh, they were getting the food ready and he was teaching his disciples. Now in that culture, women were not allowed to sit at the feet of a rabbi or a master. Women were not allowed to be disciples of a rabbi. And so Mary blows past all the cultural norms, all the cultural hurdles, because something inside of her tells her, I can sit at the feet of Jesus and I can hear his words and be discipled. I believe it's because Jesus so elevated women and had already given her access to come and to hear and listen to the word. And so Mary not only is sitting there listening to the word, but I want you to notice it's in contrast to work. It's her choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus and not to do work that she was supposed to do. Now, Jesus isn't, isn't, isn't endorsing being lazy, right? He's not endorsing, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't ever you know, serve Jesus food or anything. But he's saying that one thing is needed or essential. See, we've got to get our priorities straight, right? And Mary is not necessarily, Jesus is not encouraging, uh, don't do any work. He's just saying some things need to come first. And sitting at his feet and hearing his word is what needs to be first. It's the one thing, Jesus says, that is needed. Literally, it's uh, when Jesus says, Martha, you are, um, or it says, uh, I'm sorry, not when Jesus says it, but in verse 40 when it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. The word serving is the same word we get the word ministry from. She was distracted because she had all these needs to attend to, ministry to do, And what Jesus is showing us, well, rather I should really say Mary, Mary is modeling for us that a disciple puts hearing the word first before ministry. She understood that she needs Jesus more than he needs her. That she needs to receive from him. That she needs the word. She needs to be discipled. And so she orients her life she, around Jesus and prioritizes sitting at his feet to hear his word before she does the ministry stuff. Whereas Martha, Martha wasn't doing anything necessarily wrong. Martha was trying to honor and serve Jesus. But what she missed was that she needed him. What she missed was choosing to sit at his feet. And so we see... Uh, on one hand, Jesus inviting this woman to be discipled, and yet on the other hand, we see Mary with the boldness to come and sit at his feet. She had to overcome more distractions in her mind or in her heart than just, hey, we got stuff to get done. Think about what keeps you, not just keeps you from spending time with the Lord, but what keeps you from being focused on the Lord. You might be spending time with Jesus, But so often, it's not just busyness or distractions or a big to-do list that keeps us from spending time with the Lord. That is one of the things I've noticed that keeps people from sitting at His feet and hearing His Word. You've got all this homework or you've got all these things you've got to do. 
uh, or you got work and then this, and you've, you've got all these to-do lists. I've noticed that takes people out of their time with God. But I don't think that's the big one. I think it's that when we come and, and we're with the Lord, I think it's all the inner distractions. A lot of times it's not till you silence, I'm sorry, you quiet your heart and you sit silent before the Lord that all that stuff comes to you. You go and you say, okay, I'm going to open up my Bible. You start opening up your Bible and you're reading words on a page, but you just totally are not thinking about what you're reading because all of a sudden you're thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh man, the other day I said that and I felt real so dumb. And all of a sudden you start realizing, oh man, you're afraid of what people thought of you the other day or you're worried about this next thing you've got to get done. There's anxiety, maybe there's shame. Then all of a sudden you're not even sure if Jesus likes you. You know, I mean, and I'm being honest, that's what happens. You come to church on a Sunday, you start singing songs before the Lord, and all of a sudden your week floods into your mind. I I sinned, I did this, oh man, I missed that opportunity. All of a sudden this is coming out, and I think it's the shame and guilt, false guilt a lot of times, accusations from the enemy. I think cultural expectations that we put upon ourselves, like, think about it, Mary was coming to the feet of Jesus, and everything in her culture said, you're a bad woman. You're a bad hostess. In her culture, she was doing something that her culture said she shouldn't be doing. You're not supposed to be at the feet of Jesus being a disciple. You're supposed to be doing this. And yet, where was she at? At the feet of Jesus. So there's some guts in this woman. Does it make sense? There's some guts in her to say, I'm not going to worry about what other people think about me. And I'm not going to have some false shame or guilt because I'm not doing something that my culture says women are supposed to do. I need Jesus. And he knows I need Jesus. (laughs) He knows I need him. And he wants me to sit here. And so when Jesus affirms her and says, listen, she chose the one thing that's needed. And and I love what he says, it will not be taken from her. Meaning that she chose to sacrifice all those other things. She chose to put aside all those other things and to come and spend time with me, which is a sacrifice of what maybe her pride or whatever, but she chose to sacrifice, and he says that's not going to get taken away from her. She's investing in the kingdom, and she will get her reward. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Do you see what Mary is choosing? She's prioritizing Jesus. Now, uh, another thing I've found that kind of take people out of that time with Jesus, and really being able to hear his word, let's just call it maybe monotony. I've told you that the Bible, the Word of God, and getting the Word into my heart cannot be religious, but you could be religious. We can just kind of, we can, we could just, okay, I read my Bible, check. We can go through the motions, we can just do stuff, we can do it because I'm supposed to, or because, we could do it for a hundred reasons that are not good, and that are religious. But reading the Bible in and of itself cannot be because Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you or my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus is saying, my word is life to you. It's strength to you. It's, it, my word has all the resources and the materials that you need to become the person that I called you to. If you'll get my word in your heart, it'll set you free. That's why we do OSL. We're convinced if we get people to sit at the feet of Jesus, and hear his word, that God's truth, the power of God's word will set people free. They don't, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. That's not what's keeping people from seeing those breakthroughs. And so, it t- 
It takes courage, though, to move past those distractions, the busyness, the to-do list, and to say, okay, I've got to get these things done. I've got to get my work done. I've got to be at work on time, or I've got to get my house in order. I've got to do my homework. But it takes courage to say, no, I'm going to put spending time with Jesus first. I'm going to sit at his feet because it's the one thing that's needed. And it takes courage to move past the, the, the shame and the guilt and things like that. But I also think we need some creativity. Sometimes we just need to re-engage our hearts to the reason we're spending time with the Lord. Man, I need you. I, I need my faith built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I need my faith built. Sometimes it's just that, like we've been talking about, sometimes it's just the honesty of saying, I need Jesus. And we re-engage our hearts. I've said that reading the Bible can't be religious because it's just something we need. Remember I said that a couple weeks ago? Just like eating food. I asked you guys, do you, read, you eat food three times a day? And some of you do, some of you don't. But you guys eat regularly, unless you're fasting or something like that. You eat food. If you don't, you die. And I said to those of you who eat food three times a day, I said, you're legalists, right? No, we, don't, we never call sleeping or eating or anything like that legalism because you need it. And if we would understand in the same way you need the word, it's not legalism to be disciplined and consistent in the word. It's desperate need. But if you eat the same food every day, that can be boring. You won't stop eating, but you may stop enjoying that food. And you may actually, you know, might not be getting into it. In fact, the more you get into like making your own food and making it healthy and the more you really enjoy it. I mean, my wife used to say to me like a, a, a couple years ago, she's like, you just don't love food. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. She was referring to my uh, uh, size of my waist. Let's <laughs> just say that. Like, you just don't love food. And it's true. I mean, I just, a lot of times I just work and I eat because I need to or something like that. But the more that I have just, and, and I still don't maybe love food the way some people love food, but, but I, I the more I've gotten into just making my own food and, and eating healthy food, the more I've just really enjoyed uh, f- different flavors and vegetables. And I've never eaten so many vegetables in my life this last year. I've had so many, ve- lots of vegetables. Because I've just kind of, we've just been cooking more at home and in- enjoying food a little bit more. And what I'm saying is, in terms of us getting in and spending time with the Lord, sometimes we just, we go do the same thing over and over and over again, and we, can't, we lose sight of why we're doing it. But even the monotony of just, okay, I'm reading the Bible, can be, it can be unboring, and then we can lose motivation, and you find yourself not spending time with the Lord. And I, I've seen even in my own life, I'll keep doing the discipline of reading the Word, but sometimes my focus isn't there, or my heart's not there, or maybe because of discouragement, I'm really not hearing the Lord. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot more here than just going through the motions of being disciplined. And so I want to encourage you to be creative, with how you spend time with the Lord. And it, should pro- it, it, it will or it should change every season of your life because of different things you're going through or things that you need. You don't, you don't eat tomatoes every day, right? You, you, eat, you eat different vegetables, one, just because it's tasty, but also because of your diet, you need different types of food. If you ate one thing all the time, not only would it be boring, but it would not be nutritious. You need a diversity of foods to be nutritious. And so the same thing, a lot of times you don't just need one truth. We need to, sometimes I'm focused on one aspect of his character. Sometimes I'm focused on another promise in the word of God based upon what I need. If if there's some area in my life where I need a breakthrough or some area where Jesus wants to grow me in, I've got to go after that in the word. 
And I, I've told you, I am hungry for the Word of God. I am desperate for the Word. I study, I read, I press into the Word of God because I want to know Him. And I want to become like Him. And I want to know God's will. And I'm convinced that if any man lacks wisdom or any woman lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach. That if I need anything, man, He's going to speak to me from the Word of God. So I go to the Word with desperation and with a hunger and desire to meet with Him. But I've been a Christian for more years than I have not been a Christian now. Isn't that crazy thought, right? And... I know that I can get dry, I can get bored, or I can, that intimacy with God, it needs that cultivation. So there's five ways that we can get into the Word of God. Basic, basic ways. Reading the Bible is one. Studying the Bible is another one. Listening to the Bible, uh, preached to us. Memorizing the Bible and meditating on the Bible. These are just three or five basic ways that we get into it. Most of the time when I say, let's get into the Word or spend time with God daily, most of the time, because it's been talked about so much in the Western church, boom, you think, I need to read my Bible. And then if you're bored with that, you say, I don't really feel like reading my Bible. Or if you're not good at reading, you're like, I don't really want to read my Bible. And so therefore, it's like, oh, there, like block all other four of them, and then it's not very interesting. See, even as a new Christian... As a new Christian at 16 years old, 17 years old, I was highly creative because I was highly easily bored. <laughs> it was like all the time I was trying to find creative ways to connect with God. I would go different places to a park. I'd go on a hike, you know, uh, just different things I would try to do. And I would try to engage with the Bible in different ways. And back in those days, I didn't know how to study the Bible. I've been trained to do so now that I've been to you know, Bible college and all that stuff. But I didn't know to do those things. But what I began to do was I began to take like one book of the Bible. Okay? And I went beyond reading and I started studying the Bible. I started reading that same book over and over again. I started getting out a notebook and just taking notes. I would just start taking notes or I'd outline something. This is way before I even knew even like, I was, uh, that's how I found out, oh, the Bible's written in Greek and Hebrew? Wow, that'd be cool. I should learn Greek and Hebrew. I mean, and then that developed into me trying, trying to study the languages of the Bible. But I didn't know a lot of the stuff. Sometimes, just going beyond just reading and kind of getting into a section, it might be one passage, it might be a book in the Bible, it might be a subject you're interested in, can actually cause you to re-engage your heart because instead of just reading the Bible, all of a sudden now you're thinking about what's going on in your life and you're saying, God, show me, speak to me in this area. For me, it's like a treasure hunt. A lot of th- I've had the Holy Spirit often tell me, I w- the funniest one for me was, I want you to study 2 Corinthians. Like, I don't want to study 2 Corinthians. That's boring, you know? And I, I fought him. I was in a grumpy mood, I guess, in that season of my life. And he kept telling me to study 2 Corinthians. So I was like, okay, whatever, right? This is like when I was probably 19 years old. And so I started like reading through 2 Corinthians. I would read it a couple times. And then I started taking notes. And I didn't do it very disciplined. You know, I was just a little bit here, a little bit there. And he, what he had told me is he said, I want you to study 2 Corinthians because I want to show you what grace is. I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't see grace. I mean, I would read the book and i go, I don't see it. I don't see it. So I was not interested because I didn't get it, why I was doing this. Now other times you'll be interested because you're going after something and you'll see the value in it. But the Lord was testing me and the Lord wanted to break open something in my mindset that I just didn't get. So I wasn't very disciplined until one day after reading 2 Corinthians multiple times and I was, again, I was journaling and taking notes in 2 Corinthians, just reading the text of Scripture, no commentaries or anything like that. All of a sudden I get to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and boom, Jesus says to Paul, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And it was like, uh, you ever see like in those movies where somebody has one of those like 
oh, I don't know, I, we saw Kung Fu Panda 2 the other day. Kung Fu Panda 2, and all of a sudden he realizes who he is, and they do one of those back, they do one of those fast rewrites to the beginning of his life, and he realizes all the events of his life, and they all come together, and this is who I am, I'm the Kung Fu Panda, or whatever he was, the ninja guy, I can't remember what his name is. And, uh, and he finds out who he is, and then he's, and he's awesome now, okay? That's what it was. All of a sudden, all this study that I had done in 2 Corinthians, because I had been reading it, all of a sudden in 2 Corinthians 12, I see the word grace, and it's like the Holy Spirit took my brain back to the beginning of the book, and it was like, grace here, 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 here. So I, I, oh my goodness, I get it all of a sudden. So I went back to the beginning of the book again. Now I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm listening, right? He had my attention, and I started doing it. What God showed me in that book regarding the grace of God has become the foundational principle for my whole life. That's not the first time he's done it, not the last time, but I'm telling you, it's just insane if you kind of get into it. Also, I would just encourage you, listening to the Word of God, a lot of times when we say, get into the Word, we think, oh, I've got to read the Bible. Now, I want to encourage you, reading the Bible is good because you'll know the stories, you'll see them in context, it's very, very important. But honestly, if you're driving in your car and you don't necessarily have time or, or whatever to, to read the Bible, first of all, you can listen to the Bible read to you. There are iPhones and uh, apps and Android apps and iPad apps and all these Bible apps out there that not only can you just uh, read a verse or even a devotional free online on your phone right there before work or during lunch. I mean, you can get the Word so quick... It's easy access nowadays, or you can just have your Bible with you and flip it open and read a verse, a chapter, anything nowadays. It's so, we have so much easy access. Just get into the Word any way you can. But what's cool about these new apps and stuff, you can buy them on CD too, but <laughs> nobody knows what that is anymore. CD, okay? Uh, you, can, you can go online, you can get on your phone and have somebody from these Bible apps read you the Bible. You could be driving your car, listening to the Word of God, and you don't even have to listen to a lot of it. You could just listen to one story about Jesus, turn it off, and just start praying and meditating right there, just dialogue with the Lord. It's not about how much of the Bible or how much time you spend. It's really about the connection you make with Him and and the ability to hear His voice. But even listening to sermons, messages that are being preached to you, one of the things that I used to never do was listen to messages. I was like, no, I hear God from the Bible. I mean, all I need is the Word. I don't need other people. And I went to Bible college and all that stuff. And I'll tell you, that pride really hurt me. I didn't realize until the Lord humbled me and broke my pride how much I needed other people who had faith, who had seen breakthrough in their life, to preach the Word to me. Now, we always say around here, listen to the two spies, not the ten spies. What we mean by that is listen to Joshua and Caleb who actually got into the promised land. Don't listen to the ten spies who are going to tell you that you can't have it. So be careful who you listen to, yes, but I will, if I find a two spy, if I find a Joshua and Caleb preaching the word to me and they have fruit in their life, it's not about theory, it's about fruit, I will listen to them and I will consume their teachings. And so what I do is I spend almost every time I'm in the... Um, Every time I'm in my car, I'm listening to messages. That's how I, how I utilize that time. So I'll listen to two, sometimes three messages a week just driving in my car, just getting the word in my ears. And, and, and then a lot of times what I'll do is I, I do have a reading plan. I have my reading plan that I go through. And though I have a structure in my life to go through the Bible, I'm, more of a, a, I'm kind of more of a free spirit. So I have the structure to kind of keep me focused. But if I have a sense from the Holy Spirit to read something else, I just go over there. 
And so a lot of times the Holy Spirit's taking me to different books and I'm meditating on things. Or if I'm struggling, if, if my faith is struggling, I go right back to those passages that he has spoken to me. I'd rather be meditating on what he has said to me than just reading randomly. Okay, now I make sure I'm reading the word broadly, but there have been times in my life where I have spent whole seasons, months, in just Ephesians 1 and Philippians 2, just meditating on them. Praying it, singing it, asking God to make me humble, asking Him to show me His love. Ephesians 1, Philippians 2, just stayed there. And it was it not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily a healthy time in my life, because it would have been good for me to maybe be a little bit more well-rounded, but it was, I was broken, I was hurting, I was struggling with some things, and the Lord said, here, you need to learn that. And I'm like, you don't need to learn anything else. You need to learn Ephesians 1, I love you, and Philippians 2, stop with the pride thing. And I went to messages that would preach the word to me about his love and about who I was in Christ because I wasn't confident in that. And so even now, if I'm struggling with something or I want a breakthrough in some area, I find some messages on that. You can go online almost anywhere and find stuff. But we, have, uh, we can recommend things to you. And you can get the word into your ears. So you can, a lot of times when I say be in the word, I don't mean that you have to have a devotional time where you're sitting and reading the Bible. Although, I'll tell you, I love to sit and hear, read the word quietly because he speaks. But I'll tell you, people, I know like Clint is really good at this. He reads the word, but I'll tell you what he does better than anything. All throughout his day, he's meditating on the scripture. Now, if you asked him, he'd probably say, hey, I mess up. I don't always do that. We'd all say that. None of us is perfect at this. Perfect should not even be part of our vocabulary. But I tell you, he does it. He'll just, he'll just have the word just kind of ruminating. He'll just be meditating the word all the time. Uh, a lot of times the way that I memorize and meditate the scripture is one and the same. I just meditate out loud the scripture. I'll sing it to the Lord. I'll pray it to the Lord. It's one of the best ways you can engage your heart is just read a little bit or listen to a message and then go and, 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 and just pray it back to God. Okay, but you can find creative ways. Maybe I said, like I said, journaling. Maybe create uh, reading the Bible and make a, a song about it, or a poem, or art. Anything to get your heart to connect with the Lord and to hear Him speak to you. Because the goal is not to just check I did it. The goal is to engage Him. Amen. So we see Mary at the feet of Jesus, orienting her life around Him and around a lifestyle of being in the Word. And we see one other time, and I'm not going to go to. All the times we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. But the other one in John 10 is when she's worshiping. John 12, I mean. In John 12, we find Mary at the feet of Jesus worshiping him. She lived a lifestyle of being in the word, listening to Jesus' teachings, and a lifestyle of worship, extravagantly pouring out her heart in worship to him. She lived her life at the feet of Jesus. This was her priority. And the Lord is inviting us into this lifestyle. Listen to this in John chapter 12. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they uh, made him a supper, and Martha served, of course. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. So they're all hanging out, and Martha is preparing the food, and Mary is nowhere to be seen. Where is Mary? Oh, she's not at the feet of Jesus. And there's a reason. It says this in verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, a spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. This is not the first time this has happened to Jesus, but this is the time when Mary, the, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, came to him at his feet, 
and took this very expensive perfumed oil and poured it upon Jesus. Verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who had betrayed him, or who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, which is about 300 days wage, about a year, and would tell you how expensive that oil was, okay? And given to the poor. So he's accusing her of wasting this oil and of not, of not doing with this oil, with the money that she would get from this oil, what Jesus had already commanded his disciples to do. And we would all say, Jesus did tell us, feed the poor, clothe the naked, take care of, of, of my people. We, would all, we all know that the way of Christ is to be one who gives and serves and takes care of the least. So... It's so interesting that his disciples would, would, would almost see this as incongruent. Like, oh my goodness, she just wasted this oil. And though it says that Judas Iscariot was the primary voice, the other disciples were struggling with this. And, and, and again, you notice that here she is pouring out this oil on Jesus to honor him, to, 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 to show worth and value of him, which is worship. Oops, sorry about that. I'm having issues here today. Here she is doing that, and notice again it's in contrast to serving. Isn't that interesting? Both times Mary's making a choice to do something with her time, something with her money, that is to put Jesus first, hearing his word, and worshiping him in, in, I don't want to say, maybe not contrast, but it is in contrast at the moment with serving. Now again, Jesus is not saying don't take care of the poor. No, he, he he didn't say that. And, and when he says you always have the poor with you, he's not necessarily prophesying, but he's trying to say, he's trying to say something that one thing is important, one thing it needs to come first. And this is what he says. Now, of course, we know Judas Iscariot, by the way, was only saying that because he was uh, uh, selfish and he used to steal from the money. But I'll tell you, in Jesus' ministry, they received a lot of money that they gave to other people. And Judas was the treasurer. So people would give the disciples of Jesus' money, and they would give it out to the poor. And so Judas, Judas, of course, the other disciples are thinking, yeah, yeah, we could have given that to the poor. Judas, of course, was thinking, I could have stolen some of that. And so we know that his heart was not good in this. But the point is, in verse 6, um, oh, it says this, that this Judas said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Verse 7, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now, we don't know if Mary fully understood that Jesus was going to die and rise. We don't know if she fully understood what the significance that she was doing. But here again, Jesus rebukes somebody for messing with Mary. Hey, leave her alone. She is choosing to do the thing that needs to be first, first. Because listen, our first ministry is to worship Jesus. Ministry to others flow out of intimacy with God. Just like work flows from rest. Just like giving flows from receiving. And so in order to create healthy rhythms in our life like we've been talking about, we need to prioritize that sitting at his feet, orienting our life around Jesus. You guys catching that? And so here's Mary pouring out extravagant worship on Jesus. Costly, extravagant worship. A year's wage worth of of oil wasting in the, in the minds of her culture that money on valuing Jesus, honoring Jesus. See, our culture does not understand why we would spend time in community studying the Word, why we would come and spend time giving Jesus 
our Sunday morning and other times to worship Him. The culture does not understand why we would spend time with Him every day. The culture does not understand the importance of that. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a recovering workaholic. I have had to fight against those, that feeling of you're wasting your time. You need to be doing this, that, and the other thing. I've had to fight that, uh, whether imagined or real, voices. Uh, I, I mean real, like whether it was really the voice of the culture or whether it was just me imagining that people thought that. That I have had to say, especially as a pastor, man, I need to be doing the first thing, the one thing really pressing in and worshiping the Lord. And again, with worship, it's not just about singing some songs, spending some time with the Lord. It's about giving Him something that costs us. It's about giving our time, our money, our effort, our energy, and pouring it out with all of our hearts on the Lord. A lot of times, I'll I'll spend time with the Lord, like I said, with, with the Word part, but I'll just be kind of going through the motions, maybe because of discouragement or other things, and I need to re-engage my heart and come and bring Him a sacrifice. See, every time we make a sacrifice to the Lord, from our perspective, it's a sacrifice. You give money, you give time, and you don't feel like you're ever going to get it back. Because that's what our culture says. But when you put your money into a savings account, do you feel like you're losing it? No, you can't spend it on what you wanted to spend it on, but you're putting it into a savings account, and what is the hope that you're going to get a return on your investment? Listen, when Jesus says what was given to Mary will never be taken away from her, And in fact, you guys know that what Mary did to Jesus, Jesus says in honor of her, it'll be told every time the gospel is preached. So Mary received such honor and such reward for giving a sacrifice. Anything you sacrifice for the Lord is like an investment that you invest into the kingdom bank account with the greatest return and you can never lose it. So if you give anything to the Lord, you give any part of your heart, you give any part of your life, you give any time, any money to the Lord for His kingdom, He will reward you. He says it. The Bible says He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Period. Done. It's who He is. If you come to Him at His feet in the secret place, prayer, fasting, and giving, He says you will be rewarded when you come and you give it to Him. And so Mary caught something of the value and the worth of Jesus. She caught something about how much she needed him, but she caught something about if she pours her life out, she'll get something from the Lord. And again, I want to encourage you, be creative about worship. Be creative. Maybe for some of you, it's getting out there and going on a walk or a hike or a run, being in nature. Maybe it's for some of you, you think, man, I need to spend time with Jesus, but maybe you're super relational and you need to just be okay with being relational and know, man, I need to pray with others. Great. Don't think that, like, to be a Christian, you have to have alone time with Jesus. Now, Jesus does talk about being in the secret place and such, but I'll tell you, most of the, you don't see in the Bible have personal daily uh, devotions, but what you do see is Hebrews chapter 3, daily exhort one another. Daily exhort one another. Of course we're supposed to spend time with the Lord daily. Of course we need the Word daily. Of course He's worthy of our worship every single day, but be creative. Maybe sometimes you're alone, sometimes you're with people. You know, uh, uh, some of the things that I would encourage or throw up, uh, some of the things I encourage is to help you really engage with the Lord is get a worship CD. A lot of times what just kind of re-engages my heart is just get some new songs. Go find some new music out there. You say, well, I don't know how to find new music. Well, Pandora, I'm not necessarily, I don't know, it sounds like a commercial, but Pandora is just one of many 
uh, online kinds of things where you can type in Jesus culture in Pandora and it will pull, it'll start playing Jesus culture music for free, like a radio station, and then it'll start pulling from songs, musicians that are like Jesus culture or Hillsong or whatever. And so, so you don't even have to like know. You can come up here and ask the worship team for, hey, where did that song come from? Can you give me the chord charts? Learning an instrument, learning an instrument can actually cause you to just help you to re-engage with the Lord. I know many people who never thought they were musicians until they picked up a guitar and all of a sudden now, like five years later, they're the worship leaders because they never knew that that was going to happen. Also, like iBethel.tv or the International House of Prayer, you can Google these things. They have live worship sessions online. So you can go on and you say, man, I, I just don't really feel like worshiping today. I know he's worthy, you know? You try to tell yourself, he's worthy. But you're like, I just don't really feel like it today. You put on iBethel or something like that. It's a live worship service. You don't have to feel like you're alone. You just join right in. You let the music wash over you, and then you get into it. And you, yeah, yeah, he is worthy. And you, let, you start worshiping the Lord. Uh, but like I said, you be, it could be on a run or a walk or with people. It could be even, uh, like I said, like writing. Although I want to encourage you to get the word coming out of your mouth. Journaling your prayers to God, journaling worship to God is good. Art, poetry, all that stuff is good. And it and causes your heart to engage with the Lord and gives the Lord a sacrifice of praise. And, and I would encourage you maybe as you're doing the poetry or drawing or whatever, also get the word coming out of your, your mouth. Uh, but, but a lot of times for me, it's as simple as this. I come to the word, I'll listen to sermons, I'll meditate the word, uh, I'll read the Bible, and I'll just simply, I'll take the Bible and I'll begin to pray in the spirit. I'm one of those guys, remember Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. I'm one of those guys, I pray in tongues more than you all. Uh, it's a precious gift that helps me to connect to the Lord. So I pray in the Spirit all the time, and I, and I just begin to respond to the Word. I'll pray the Word out loud. If I see a promise, I say, thank you, Lord. And I'll just quote the promises back to God. If I see a commandment, I say, God, yes, yes, I want to obey you. And I ask Him for grace to obey Him. I simply allow the, the, the time to be a dialogue. I'm reading, I'm listening, I'm praying in the Spirit. He shows me something, I, I'll do, you know, I write it down. And so I don't necessarily journal, but I'll keep a record of what he shows me or that kind of thing. I take notes. But, but I, I do all these things. What's happened in my life is over the years, as I've begun to try to be creative, or as I've tried to be creative, as I've tried to create rhythm, I've kind of developed my own rhythm. And so even though I don't necessarily stop doing the disciplines from day to day or week to week, I always have to re-engage. One of the best things I could ever encourage you to do is how to create this rhythm and how to keep this going, rather than like I did it for a week, or I did it for three months, or I did it in OSL, but I don't do it now. One of the best things you could ever do is what we call around here roles and goals. Roles and goals. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 3. Basically, in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. You can do that every day, but what I do is about three or four times a year, I, sp- I get away. It could be just a couple of hours, but for me, it's usually about a day or two, and I get away with the Lord, and I seek Him for that season of my life. And I pray through my roles and my responsibilities. Now, I'll be honest with you, most of what I end up with after a couple of days of seeking the Lord for the next season of my life is I end up with a ton of goals for the church and for other tasks I need to do. Honestly, our ministry, our work takes the most time, takes the most effort. That's okay. When I'm talking about orienting our life around Jesus and prioritizing, I'm not saying that spending time with the Lord has to be the most amount of time you spend. It's not even like that. You might be thinking, oh my goodness, I can't do this. No, no, no. You want intimacy with God, all you got to do is make a small shift to put at His feet first. And so a lot of times, when I go away and I get my roles and goals, I'll have a bunch of goals 
and, and specific assignments from the Lord regarding church stuff. But the Lord will speak to me about what this season of my life needs to be for my relation with Him. That's the big one. So what does the word and worship look for me? Now, a lot of times these disciplines are already set for me, whereas I know some people, maybe you got off the disciplines, you got to get back. But for me, it's not about if I'm going to do the disciplines, it's, Lord, what is he, what is he asking of me? Maybe what, what am I going to be studying or what am I going to be focusing on? What does he want to do in my character? Another thing that I really focus on is my relationship with my wife and my kids. And I make sure my heart is connected to them. And so over the years, I've developed these daily, weekly, yearly rhythms. Like daily, I spend time with the Lord. Uh, and daily, uh, I don't necessarily work out every day, but I, I kind of work out, I spend time with the Lord, and I have these goals that the Lord has spoken to me on for my work, for the church, for the ministry, and I just make sure that my tasks revolve around those goals that he said. I try to really live my life by hearing his voice and doing what he says. But I try to make sure every day I have some connection with my wife and my kids, but the weekly rhythm is where every week I want to make sure I have in community, honestly. I make sure, because I know if I'm not in community, I start, it starts to affect me. Um, I, I want to make sure they have a Sabbath, and almost every week I have a Sabbath, and my Sabbath means that I have a family day where we spend time as a family, and that's the day that I try to get more connected with the kids and hang out with them and that kind of thing. And then every month I try to make sure that I'm having one-on-one time with each of my kids and with my wife, and there's that time where you know go on a date with Emma, that kind of thing. The goal, obviously, is heart connection with God and heart connection with people. I make sure that like every couple months I'm hanging out with various mentors of mine or peer mentors. But every week I'm hanging out in f- community with you guys. Yearly, I just make sure that I have that. Like once a year we go on a family vacation. But I make sure that every about three or four times a year I'm getting away to reevaluate my life, to reflect and to redo my roles and goals for the next season. That way the Holy Spirit can speak to me and say, you need to get back to some of these things or you need to do this or this is where I want to take you. To me it's like this. I'll end with this uh, illustration. If you were to take a, a glass jar and, and you were to have, um, and let's say your glass, this glass jar is your life. You only have so much time. Everybody has 24 hours. Everybody has only so much time. Okay? We all wish there was eight days in the week, but there's not. And then imagine you have all these little rocks. You have a jar, of, uh, like a, a jar half filled with little rocks, and then you have these big rocks. If you were to take the little rocks and pour them into the jar first, and then take the big rocks and try to put them in the jar, it wouldn't fit. Just try it sometime. Because the little rocks are all compacted together, and then the big rocks don't fit. And a lot of times that's how we live our life. We do all the little tasks, we do all the little working, 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 homework, busyness, I gotta go to work, I gotta do this, I gotta clean my, wash my car and do the yard work, and I gotta do all these things, and we do those first, and then there's no more time for either God or sometimes even people. And so for, for we are often spiritually uh, malnourished. What it means to center our lives around Jesus is simply to know which thing is the priority. It's not that spending time with the Lord takes more time. It's that it's more important. And so imagine you dump the little rocks out, you take the big rocks, put the big rocks in first. Take the little rocks and pour them into the jar, kind of shake it up a little bit. You need a little shaking in your life. And those little rocks will filter into, down to the bottom and fill all the little crevices. If you'll put the Lord first, I guarantee everything else will flow. He promises us that. If you'll put Him first in your time, in your money, in your heart and affections, in your relationships, He'll guide your steps in all those things. 
I have found the Lord will even maximize the efficiency of the way I spend my time doing work if I'll put time with Him first. You see what I'm saying? So let's reorient our lives around the presence of the Lord. Reorient our lives at His feet in a lifestyle of word and worship. Amen? All right, as the worship team comes up, go ahead and close your eyes for a second, and let's begin to pray and respond to the Lord. Begin to ask the Lord right now for creative ideas. Just between you and Him, just say, Lord, you know, in your own words, just, Lord, Lord, show me, what do you want me to do? How can I do this? Lord, give me creative ideas. Show me my schedule. Show me my life. Show me how I can do this. even beyond the few things I told you. I believe the Lord wants to speak to you about specific things in your life that you can do. About putting Him first. Just ask the Lord, where do I need to realign? Where do I need to put these things first? And ask the Lord for specific ideas, time slots, whatever it is. It could be just 15 minutes at work, at, at, uh, at a break or lunch, And yet those 15 minutes could change your whole life as you meditate the word. It could just be driving in your car, you're going to open up your mouth and start worshiping the Lord with all your heart even as you drive. People think you're crazy, but, you know, they don't know. They think you're just mad. So just think about that. And if the Lord gives you something or when the Lord gives you something, go ahead and write it down in your journal or in notes or whatever. Just write it down. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for grace to trust you, grace to spend time with you. Lord, I ask that you'd help your people to make sometimes the very difficult decision to reorient our lives around you. Give us strength to do so. I pray, Father, that you wouldn't be on the fringe of our life, but you'd be at the center leading us as our Lord. Teach us to live a lifestyle at your feet and teach us to come to you, hear your voice, and do what you say. Teach us. And if you're here and you've not known the Lord, you saying maybe you've been far from here you don't know him it really is as simple as confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord which means master your leader and receiving by faith by trusting him that he died on that cross for the forgiveness of your sin all of your sin and so if you've never done that before you can just do that even right now you can just say Jesus you're my Lord I give you my life and I receive your forgiveness you can give your heart to the Lord and we'd love to know that we'd love to pray with you but whether it's the first time or a million times, we're coming back to the Lord right now. So let's stand and worship the Lord. Let's give Him a sacrifice of praise right now. We're going to spend a number of minutes pouring out worship to the Lord. I want you to have that picture of Mary. Think of Mary at the feet of Jesus, putting aside all distractions, anybody who was mocking her like Judas, oh, what's Mary doing? I want us to worship God with a loud worship extravagant, expressive worship. I want us to worship the Lord with all of our hearts, with something that costs us. So let's give them all of our hearts. Let's, let's do it. Let's worship the Lord.